hey, welcome to Gen X Voice. Nobody asked us, so let's get our voices heard. Written off years ago as the slacker generation, we actually brought a lot to the world behind the scenes. Now we need to bridge two opposing generations and make sure non-Karen voices are heard. I'm your host, Trish The Dish, and I'm going to interview Gen Xers being rad and doing cool shit in the world. You can follow me at Gen X Voice on Instagram, Twitter, and Spotify. Check out other podcasts, videos, and blogs at genxvoice.com. Even though the focus of this platform will be to celebrate Generation X, the goal is to interview as many people as possible from lots of generations, backgrounds, and experiences. Let's unpack some of our differences and attempt to discover what truly ties us all together. With so much division and pain in the world today, instead of shutting people down for their age or other features outside of their control, let's listen to these voices and discover common ground so we can come together and create a better world for all. I don't want to be an army one. Okay, so let's get right into it. So one of the reasons why I wanted to start this whole Gen X voice concept is... I just got so tired of listening to people talk about how baby boomers feel, how millennials feel, but it's like with all this stuff going on in the world, but there's like no one talking about how Gen X feels. And this is kind of like the way it's been since I can remember we were basically called the slacker generation. I remember watching commercials about that when I was like a little kid um, watching, you know, TV and just kind of thinking like, wow, that's like so negative. Even as a kid, I was thinking that. And granted, I'm much younger than um, some of the Gen Xers in my generation. And there's even some dispute about whether or not we're considered zennials, um, but since I was born late in 75 and I've only ever heard of Gen X, I'm just going to keep the Gen X thing going. However, I can't wait to um, bring on some people that are definitely zennial um, and millennial and baby boomer and all that stuff, but at the end of the day, I just feel like we've been marginalized for a long time. And I know that sounds really lame to talk about in a world that is full of um, so many issues that are happening in the world today. So why would I pick now of all times when there's so much political unrest? We're in this crazy election year. Um, COVID-19 is happening. Black Lives Matter is this huge movement that's gaining so much more momentum this year than when it started Um, years ago? And the answer is because I really feel like if we could give the voice to the generation that's kind of in between these two worlds, that's like the, the baby boomers kind of represent this traditional old school world of, um, values, family values and and what country is and the way they were raised uh, with this new sort of younger, fresher, a millennial view that has been raised just completely different. But you've got this bridge generation. That's sometimes a term that you'll hear people use when they're describing Generation X that has one foot in the analog and one foot in the digital world. So 
for instance, when I was growing up, I definitely remember when we got our first computer. It was a PC, and I got to play Monster Math on it. Can I get a hollow if you ever heard that game or played it? Um, and it was an attempt to teach me how to be better with math, right? So this was probably, I want to say I was about third grade, so um, about 1984, um, maybe even fourth grade, 1985. Um, and so I was about 10 years old, uh, nine or 10 years old. And I was really fortunate. I got to live in poverty for a little bit of my life and a little bit of money in a little bit of my life. So during this particular time, my mom was married to a guy who had a little bit of money. So we had this wonderful PC. Um, and we also got a CD player. And so our first CDs were uh, Michael Jackson's Thriller and um, Dancing on the Ceiling by Lionel Richie. And those two CDs were played nonstop in our house. Um, we had a huge satellite dish in our backyard. Um, but here's the analog part. Like, we had telephones that you plugged into the wall, and there was no internet. And, you know, having, like, satellite TV was, like, this huge deal. Much like if, you know, everyone in your family had, uh, you know, like a cell phone or, like, a an iPad or something like that. Like, a, a, I guess, I guess I'm aging myself a little bit because I really don't know what like would be considered like, Oh, everyone's got this. You have to have it now because, um, it was just so much more obvious in the eighties when you got something that was this big technology thing. Um, but we had to navigate both, right? So we had to navigate this, like, you know, how do you look up a phone number? You have to go to the yellow pages and like, you know, browse pages. You had to really kind of know the alphabet really well um, when you were looking up stuff in the phone book or like in the encyclopedia, which is like what our Google was back then. Um, just completely, you know, you had to go to the library and like I would spend hours just in the library looking up information on like my project about Albuquerque, you know, just spending like hours looking at things. And, um, and researching in, you know, books and things like that. Like, people just don't do that anymore. But the flip side is that, like, because my generation was um, kind of living in both of these worlds, I feel like we have this uncanny ability to um, be super flexible, super understanding, which is, so again, why am I starting this now? Because there's this terrible stereotype of our generation being heard right now. And it's the Karen voice, you know, um, these people who are, um, outwardly racist and just doing, ah, just such lame stuff. And it just boils my blood to the point where it's like, I grew up in a world where we embraced each other's skin color and differences. Like, um, you know, I, I don't know, um, what people would think about it now. But when I was growing up in the eighties and nineties, you know, like the Cosby show and in living color and the Wayne's brothers, especially like we were just so, um, I don't know. We were on board Arsenio hall, like, like some of the best, like I said, listen to the two CDs that I uh, said earlier, like they were both black artists and like, it wasn't like we were like, oh, we've got black artists on our CDs. It was like, that was what was cool. And it didn't, 
I don't know. I just feel like this, something happened where we just sort of lost the connection with um, black culture being super mainstream. And, um, and also too, I feel like something weird happened in the nineties where, um, there was this kind of split in gener- generation X, right? So, uh, at least in my group, like I went to college in 1994. Um, that was my f- year that I graduated high school and went on to college. And, you know, I was definitely always, um, enamored by counterculture. And so, you know, loved hanging out with hippies and ravers and goth kids and just celebrating people's differences. And actually, I got uh, I got called um, called out on being a social butterfly because um, I was just so interested in every different kind of group. But I wasn't the only one. Uh, where I went to college in Flagstaff, Arizona, there was like this really neat pocket. And I can't wait to interview some of my friends that I'm still friends with after all these years that I met in those really neat times in Flagstaff where uh, we were just kind of hanging out, listening to music and philosophizing and, um, and we were pretty sober. We weren't always, you know, um, partying. Um, Sometimes, you know, we were just doing brunch and coffee and um, I don't know, just there, there, there just seemed to be this other group of us that we, we were really in, in position with like, um, or maybe it was juxtaposition. I mean, the fact is, is that we would, um, you know, walk home from the bars and we'd see all of the frat boys and sorority girls. And of course this is nothing against those people, but we were angry little counterculture kids. And so we would, um, you know, would scream at them. So that's probably where the division came. Um, cause there was like, uh, this whole statistic where, um, NAU was actually, um, called at least to us locally, the sort of number one campus in the nineties, um, for rape. Um, I'm sure that's not true, but we didn't have Google. So we couldn't just like, I don't think that's true. I'm going to Google that. Um, we just kind of had to take what people said at face value and then maybe go to the library or ask a, an elder um, in the baby boomer generation, maybe, um, whether or not something that was told to us was true. So um, anyway, so we had this like us versus them kind of mentality. And I guess that little punk rocker kid in me is is still kind of wanting to um, kind of be like, hey, there is... A, a really different group of people that are in this generation. So um, moving into the 2000s, and I'm just kind of giving you a little history of like, you know, really basic history of who I am. But um, I joined what we love to call an indie post-punk emotional pop band um, called Resident Genius uh, when I lived in Springfield, Illinois. And this was around 2002. Um, I had moved there from New York And I had lived um, just blocks away from the Twin Towers Um, when 9-11 happened. I was actually kind of homeless. And so I had a lot of feelings about uh, the Bush administration. I'd actually, previously to that, I had moved to um, Europe for the second time on a one-way ticket. 
Now, these were my poor years. Um, I scrubbed toilets for the Arizona Cardinals um, when they were doing their training camp at NAU um, and uh, did a whole bunch of other jobs just so I could save money to go abroad for a year. And then when I came back to the States, I was like, oh, man, like (laughs) Bush is getting elected and um, I'm not trying to be political. I'm just trying to sort of show that, like, there is this other side to Gen X. And it's, um, yeah, it's going to have politics involved with it. But basically, I bought a one-way ticket to France. I made, I made it to um, to Paris and then stayed there for a little bit, went to London, stayed there for a little bit, and then uh, found myself in New York City. Um, 9-11 happened. I was broke. I really couldn't afford the city. So I ended up in Springfield, Illinois. I mean, that's basically a uh, long story short. And I just, I don't know, as a counterculture person, you always kind of find your niche in, um, at least when I was younger, it's a lot harder when you're older. Um, but I found this group and they were really interested in, um, creating a band that had, um, this social awareness to its lyrics and basically was against the Iraq war and the Bush administration. So the song that you hear at the beginning of this podcast is actually one of our songs um, that Jason Perry wrote and um, I played guitars and um, and did some backup vocals, um, in, not in this particular track, but in, in um, when I was in the band. And um, and the song's called Army of One. And what that is, is um, a direct correlation with the Navy or the Army posters that we used to see that was like, um, you know, Army of One. Um, and so, you know, this sort of propaganda to get people to join the military and, and, and go have these battles in the, um, you know, in other um countries that were what we thought were just for oil and like it was just really hard to um it was hard to I don't know understand um why people wanted to have these wars so um we thought it would be a good idea to have this band. So I don't know. I just, I know that's like a lot and um, I'm kind of babbling, but I just wanted to give sort of a little background of, you know, a little bit about who I am and uh, why I want to do this podcast, especially why I want to do it now. And just kind of give you a, a, a little bit of an idea of what you can expect. I mean, these things that I'm talking about, there's so much to unpack and I'm really excited because um, the people that I'm going to have um, on the show are people who, um, really embody that sort of, um, different way of, of seeing things. Um, even, even some of the baby boomers that I'm going to interview, you know, there's this very negative and ageist thing. Like, I feel like once we figure out how to deal with racism, like, wouldn't it be neat if we could deal with ageism? Like, ah, I cringe every time I hear like, um, you know, Jimmy Fallon, who is like, Generation X, um, you know, teasing people about how old they are. Like, I, I don't know, it kind of hits my heart a little bit, kind of like racism does. Um, so it'd be really neat if we could maybe, um, start unpacking that stuff because, you know, to tease people of their age is something they can't even deal, you know, they, they can't control that just like that people can't control their gender or their skin color. So I think it's really, um, important to, to, to showcase people who have different ideas and 
um, and realize that like not everyone's okay boomer or like a Karen or just like, um, I don't know. It's funny because when you're young, you don't have the nicknames. So it'll be interesting to see what, um, nicknames like, um, I don't know if people are using the term iGen. I read a book about that, but it would be interesting to see what they call millennials. Like once they feel like millennials are out of touch, I don't know. It's, it's just cause the whole Karen thing just literally came out within the last couple of years, um, or last year actually, um, due to all of these yahoos running around calling cops on people of color and being obnoxious and terrible and being white suburban um, middle-aged people. And so as a white suburban middle-aged person um, who is still very counterculture, um, I, I feel like there, we just we have to overpower that voice because I don't want that voice to be considered the norm and definitely want to make sure that the cool people that I interview, well, I guess you can decide if they're cool, but the people that I interview, um, be it, you know, people who live alternative lifestyles in um, the baby boomer generation or millennial generation um, or Gen X, like just to show that like stereotypes are pretty lame. And we could probably see that each generation has this huge influence on each other. And like, one of the reasons I'd really like to showcase Gen X in particular is that there's a lot of things that are kind of happening behind the scenes that Gen X does that people I don't think realize. So like Jeff Bezos is going to be, is on track to become the first trillionaire. Um, and whatever you think about Amazon and him, I mean, he's generation X. So that's kind of a really interesting um, thing to take place. Anyway, I just kind of wanted to give a little background about that. Um, it's not always going to be heavy, I'm sure, um, but I definitely have some friends who do have um, some heavy stories and some interesting stories um, about how they grew up and, and what's important to them. But um, basically, I'm going to make sure that every show has like sort of these shotgun questions. And so um, I got this idea from another podcast that I listened to um, that I think is really fun. I think there's so many great podcasts out there. I think this is one of the best venues um, for getting ideas out there ever. And um, so that's where I got that idea. So anyway, um, so how one of the questions that I'm going to ask is, how did you start? So how did I start doing this? I created this idea because I was so furious, like I said, about seeing ideas um, not being asked of Gen X. And one of my former students, who's a millennial, saw my rant on Facebook one day and was like, why don't you, why don't you blog about it or do something about it? And so I thought about it for a really long time, and then I decided, okay, well, I'll go ahead and start a blog. So I started a blog, which you can find at genxvoice.com. Um, and was basically just like, okay, well, I'm going to tell some stories about my life. And it really became more about stories of my life instead of like really dissecting things I think about the world. So that's where my YouTube channel came in. And I started um, just kind of picking some topics. Well, then COVID-19 happened and it just sort of seemed like everything got put on pause um, as, you know, we were quarantined and I've known people who have lost um, close people to them to um, the Rona, as the millennials are calling it. Um, and so it kind of put everything on pause. But 
now I'm doing the podcast thing. So that's basically how um, I got started. So the next question would be, what's your favorite memory from childhood? This one's really hard for me. I think that um, there's so many things that my brain likes to go to when it comes to my childhood. I had a pretty hard and terrible childhood. Um, money problems aside, um, my mother was um, pretty um, destructive and violent and addicted to drugs. And so I actually ended up running away from home um, and ended up with my grandparents when I was about 12 years old. But um, what kept me, you know, happy and alive was riding my bike. Um, I had a really great um, sort of purple metallic Murray, or not, I don't know what it was called. Anyway, I, I really I don't remember. I, I feel like Huffy is in my brain, but I feel like maybe that was my first bike. I don't know. Anyway, um, but yeah, I would say riding, riding bikes just by far just felt free and amazing. And even to this day, getting on my bike is like the, the best, most super cool thing in the universe to do. Uh, so the next thing would be, uh, what is your favorite 80s band or song? Uh, Depeche Mode. And um, they are literally just, oh my gosh, they're the best. And my favorite song from them is like, because of the lyrics, I think, um, it's like, all I ever wanted, all I ever needed is here in my arms. And I know I'm super cheesy, but um, I also just love um, the idea of just being grateful for what you have and not like, um, I don't know, being materialistic or whatever. I don't know. Anyway, it's Enjoy the Silence if you guys uh know that song so that is by far I mean even to this day when that song comes on I'm just like oh my gosh you guys is the best um and that was the first concert I ever saw by myself with my friends in high school was the um the tour of songs of faith and devotion oh that was a great tour in I believe it was 1994 um the last part of my senior year in San Diego that was pretty amazing but anyway, um, so then what my favorite 80s film is, uh, well, am I even a Gen Xer if I don't say Princess Bride? Um, but see, that's what's really hard is that there's Princess Bride I could watch five million times over and over again. But there's some really obscure ones like, um, well, I don't know how obscure they are, but like people don't really talk about them all the time. But like Dead Poet Society, oh my gosh, that's... That's the thing that really solidified some of the ways that I actually conducted my teaching. Like I actually would walk out of the classroom when I was a teacher um, and like have the students follow me without really explaining because um, I was a French teacher, so I would speak in French. Anyway, thanks, Robin Williams. Rest in peace. He was an amazing baby boomer. Um, and then um, the question is college like did you go and um, you know why or why not and I did go to college because coming from the majority of my life in poverty it seemed like the only way out of uh, poverty and also um, I just had this crazy dream to like travel around the world and like I just thought the world was such a big place and I wanted to be a part of it and I wanted to explore different ways of thinking. And I remember being like 10 years old thinking that. So 
I did go to college, like I said, went to NAU for my undergrad. I actually went to um, a few other universities just for classes and things. So um, I did some coursework at Eastern Illinois University, um, through ASU online, um, Western Governors University online, and then um, actually got my master's degree at Grand Canyon University. And, um, you know, until I decided I didn't want to keep borrowing money, um, two years of a doctoral program with Grand Canyon University as well. Um, so yeah, that's that story. Um, lifted me a little bit out of poverty if you don't count my student loan debt. Um, so anyway, I think I've already, um, explained like why I'm inspired to do this project. So I'm just going to skip that, but that's one of the questions that will definitely ask people. Um, and then, um, so what kept you going instead of giving up? This question I feel needs to be a little deeper background information. Um, so growing up in the 80s and 90s um, with, with the mom that I had and the lack of support and understanding of mental illness um, and um, so, like protection of child abuse and just overall understanding of anxiety, hyperactive disorder, uh, which is now commonly known as ADHD, and um, all these other things. It was really, really hard, uh, especially for me, um, to, to have to go through life uh, with, with just because I was diagnosed with hyperactive disorder in the late 70s, um, and so wasn't allowed to have sugar. I was bouncing off the walls at school when I did have sugar and, um, had to be sat in like these little cubicle stations. Um, even though I was, I was pretty smart, you know, not to toot my own horn, but, you know, definitely spelling came super easy to me and, um, I'd finish my work before anyone else. And, uh, it, I don't know. And it just got sort of harder and harder you know, as depression, you know, the onslaught of uh, growing up with a grandfather post my mom and dealing with like his idiosyncrasies and like whatever um, sort of mental health issues that he may have been battling his whole life. He himself was abused. He abused my mom. I mean, it's, there's a lot actually that um, to unpack with that sort of family story. But so it was really easy to uh, just feel depressed. And, um, and what kept me going, I know it's so like cliche, um, but, you know, we definitely didn't have like, you know, online groups where we could chat and like be like, oh my gosh, I have so much anxiety. I'm so worried. I'm so scared. I'm so depressed. So I turned to my headphones and like the best thing in the world was to have a Walkman. And when I got, oh my gosh, when I had my Walkman, that's, you better know that Depeche Mode album was in that had Enjoy the Silence on it, which is Violator, unless you don't know, um, circa 1988. And also I love the Smiths um, and the Cure, you know, all of these music, all of these like musicians and bands that were, um, I don't know, a lot of people call them goth because, you know, kind of the, the fashion behind um, those bands. But, I mean, I was just like this regular kid in Joshua Tree, California in the desert. So 
I didn't really have a lot of exposure to that lifestyle or those people or even MTV to see like Robert Smith all the time with his crazy hair and eyeliner. Um, in those days it was anyway. Um, but I was just so in love with their ability to have such depth to their lyrics as well as like just this positive energy of their music. So a lot of people call it depressing music, but I call it really like happy music. So that really pulled me out and just kept me going. And I just always had this feeling that some, some, somehow it was going to get better. So I guess that would be um, something that I would say to other, other generations that are younger than me is that like most of us have been in that place of sadness and depression and darkness. And you just have to latch on to something. Um, to get you through to the next day because every day is so much better um, than the last. And then you get to a point when you're old like me um, and you realize that, um, like, wow, I made it. Like, and it's a really exciting feeling. So anyway, uh, that is basically all I have to say about that. So yeah, so that's the podcast in a nutshell. You can find my blogs at genxvoice.com and that'll be, there'll be links to podcasts and videos I've done on YouTube as well as um, my Instagram handle. So we'll see you out there. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And if you think this is worth listening to, please subscribe, share, and leave a review. Be kind to each other, listen to each other, and let's stop being separated by our differences. Bye. I don't wanna be an army